Hello, everybody. My guest today is an international profiling and communication specialist who has worked with international clients, the likes of Disney Films and Gillette, and high-profile organizations like the Australian Australian Federal Police um, to help them to be able to understand how people tick. <clears throat> he works with business owners and executives, helping them to understand and engage their clients and prospects, enhancing their presentations and negotiation skills. He also helps parents and teachers enhance the ability of their children to reach their full potential while improving the experience of the parents, teacher, and student. His latest community initiative is the Campfire Project. The Campfire is a safe place for men and women to give themselves permission to tell their stories, to share their experiences and wisdom from around the world. Please welcome to the show, Alan Stevens. Alan, great to have you on the show today. I feel very privileged to to have you with us today. How's how's your day been so far? Uh, it's been brilliant. I've been talking to a lot of people, doing what I love doing, which is helping people to read each other more effectively. And thank you very much for the invitation to come and chat with you. Thank you. I'm sure you must be very busy with uh, a campfire project, but how does uh, normally like your Saturday look like? Uh, usually I catch up to an old friend of mine. He's in his 80s and I uh, have coffee with him and sit down with him and have a bit of a uh, a yarn and stir each other up a bit with a lot of fun. It's uh, quite often that it's uh, getting my week ready for the next, you know, getting ready for next week. Saturday, looking at what I've done last this last week and Sunday preparing for the uh, the next week so that I can give my clients and the people I work with the best I can deliver. Now, you know, if you what you do, you talk to a lot of people during the week. So, do you also crave to have some sort of a time in in your on the weekends where you just don't want to talk to anybody, or uh, wherever possible, I'll just disappear into a, in, off into my cave, where <laughs> I get my energy back again. Because quite often the conversations I have, people when they understand what I do, and then they'll tell me about the issues that are going on. Mm. We can solve a lot of uh, things, but I've also had to learn to not take on their stuff and be able to unwind. So that that is, yeah, that's so important because, yeah, when we deal with people, whether it's what you do or, or from mm. my, my experience being a personal trainer, either way, we deal with people, right? And it's quite easy to, um, mm. you know, people don't always have a great day. You know, they come to mm. a meeting with you and they might have a really bad day and then they transfer that sort of negativity onto you. It's, it's, that's it's, it. Yeah, well, if you're a person who cares about the people around you, of course, <laughs> you're going to, if you're not careful take that stuff on and uh, if you don't dissipate it you don't have a way of letting it go then it's going to affect you and that then affects the next person you work with because you're not giving your best mm. so you have to look after yourself you've got no alternative yes yeah, so obviously one way to do it is is take some break take some rest and, and sort of mm. uh, recoup but what are some other good strategies that you'd recommend well movement's always good because the biggest problem we have we sit and we think then we get sedentary and we usually dwell on the things that we've been going on. But if we can get up and move around, get some mm. air into our body, go out for a walk, enjoy the sun, you know, go and uh, just look at the neighbourhood, check things out, take things in, because it's getting away from the routine. And that's the first thing is break your routine. Mm. If you're doing a task that's over and over, you know, when I do a, a profile of somebody, I've got them on screen, I'm working with them. As soon as I finish that, I've got my roster, my calendar set up so nothing runs into the next one. There's always a break. I get up, I walk around, I move and have a bit of a break from it. 
then come back to it refreshed and I can give my all to the next person. But uh, exercise of all forms, swimming, if you can get into the pool, we'll wait till co-boat's over and we'll mm. go to get back into more activities. But that has limited things a little bit. Have you tried some at-home like workout bodyweight routines or anything like that? Well, I've got to that point in my life where I've got my memory is not that good. So I'll be in my office on the first floor mm-hmm. and I'll be going, I've got to get something downstairs. So I'll wander downstairs, down all the stairways, get down there and go, what was it I was after? <laughs> so now I've got to go back upstairs <laughs> to remember what it was and then go back downstairs again. So I'm getting plenty of tra- effort no, exercise on those uh, stairways. Oh, that's awesome. That's, that's awesome. I've actually had a similar thing, but not, not memory, not memory regulated. <laughs> it was basically, I was talking to the guys at the gym, you know, whenever I stand up, if I'm feeling like a little bit hungry, or, you know, I need to go to the toilet. Whenever I need to stand up from my desk, I make it a rule that I'm not going to come back to the desk until I've done a certain amount of physical exercise. It might be a really simple thing. It might just be like five minutes of, you know, doing a little uh, a little, little three exercise, you know, do 10 push-ups, 10 squats, and maybe 10 sit-ups or something like that. Three times through, takes mm. five minutes, gets the blood flow going, gets the brain sort of oxygenated a little bit and all that sort of thing. Then sit down again That's and it. continue my work. Because, yeah, you are perfectly on point. We are all so sedentary right now, especially mm. with this bloody COVID-19 stuff. We're probably even more sedentary. Um, and this is where our um, <clears throat> we start putting on weight you know, this is when we start getting problems because we're not moving around. And again, if we're not moving, if we're moving, we're, our mind's on other things. If we're sitting still, those negative thoughts start to come in and they can drag you down. So the physiology and neurology are linked. So wherever you can, use one to support the other. Mm. Now, let's talk a little bit about what you do. So, you know, harnessing the power of reading people to persuade and influence behaviors and outcomes is the main sort of headline when people visit your website. This is a powerful skill set that comes with a great responsibility, right? What inspired you to become a specialist in this skill set? Probably because I was so bad at it when I first started. You know, I've been through uh, two divorces. I've had a lot of relationships. I've had business partners who have even emptied the bank out over time. Mm. And uh, I just realized through necessity, I needed to understand what made people tick to be able to read what was really going on. And so I just set out on a path to do that. And through different areas that I've worked in, I've also trusted the universe when I had a question, I needed some answers that if I opened my mind up with what was going on around me, usually the, because that's the way my mind was thinking, I would notice the events that would lead me to my answers. Right. And so that way, um, I remember uh, helping a friend who was uh, running a spiritual retreat, <clears throat> excuse me, who was running a spiritual retreat. And he asked if I would uh, do a, because I was doing psychometric profiling in those days, which was about reading people's you know, personalities through asking them questions. Mm-hmm. And we took people through the processes, did some role playing and everything else, looking at introverts, extroverts, and those that are thinking and those that are more judging type people. And at the end of it, somebody just asked me, you ever looked at reading faces? And I went, that's uh, interesting stuff. So I decided to go and find out about that mm. and found the two uh, best uh, world specialists in the two different areas, trained with both of them, then wondered why they hadn't brought their skills together. So I did and created Rapid Trait Profiling, which is now unique worldwide. And back to that story when you said, you know, you've had business partners and things didn't work out and, and then sort of that stimulated that that idea of, you know, wanting to know why people 
tick the certain mm. way. Was that inspired out of necessity from point of uh, a protective mechanism because you burned badly with other people initially? or It was a combination of things. So there were three major events that happened in my life over a period of time. When I was 23, I was put in charge of a group of men who were all older than me. My second in charge was 38. So mm-hmm. I had to get them on their side. In my mid-30s, I joined the surf club and became a lifesaver. And it wasn't long before they got me to be a patrol captain. And I found out why. They gave me everybody that nobody else wanted. Turned mm. that into the patrol of the year. And then they talked me into being the club captain and then zone supervisor of three uh, beaches. And in that process, now I'm the same age as everybody else. But as they pointed out to me, I'd only been there five minutes as far as I were concerned. They'd been there since they were kids. And yeah, I'm right. the one telling them what to do. So I had to get them on side. And in my late 30s, my first wife uh, decided she needed to uh, to leave. And I had three boys to raise on my own. They were 4, 11 and 12. So that was definitely necessity to be able to understand understand them. I had my own business. I'd left, uh, I'd been previously with uh, Telecom, which I left them on the day they became Telstra. Mm. And uh, had my own businesses since then. So I had to run my businesses, raise my boys. And that's when I started having some problems with some of the people I misjudged as uh, business partners. And I decided not, I had to be better at what I was doing, necessity, plus also a burning desire to just understand people better. And one thing after another just led me to where I am today. That is such a great story. And understanding that background and, and, and the nature of why you wanted to, to know that skill set, it's, it's, yeah, just adds really sort of inspiration to it. Now, I, I personally can say, you know, I've I've burned myself badly with other people, whether it was out of my wrongdoing or or, or me misjudging their character. Um, but one thing I'm, I'm puzzled is, you know, some people say, you know, you you, you gotta you gotta hang around with some around somebody in order to really know them. Um, but in my experience, I've burned in both cases. I've had you know made that I knew for good four years because we were really good mates and then suddenly you know he he did something that you know ruined the relationship don't completely you know ruin the trust um then another time i was working with this doctor and looking at opening my gym and i completely misjudged him i only knew him for for 12 months but he was so genuine that we clicked in really quickly but then again 12 months later it just failed it was not going to go into the detail but you know like how do you how do you know like I, I think yeah the point being is yeah maybe being better at reading people is where it really comes down to is yeah yeah well see my area the where i work is that um uh and you as a, a fitness person you know that if you build lift weights you're going to build your body up you'll mm. build muscles depending on what type of exercise you do depends on what muscles you build and what actions you use depending on how they build And we also know that everything we feel inside, we express outwardly as well. So whatever emotions we have, we'll pull, if we were angry, we'll pull an angry expression on our face. If we keep doing that over and over, the face will take on a particular shape. It reflects how we like to think and process. So that's the first point. Your facial features tell me your personality, how you like to think and process, how you're likely to react in any given situation. It's not character though. It doesn't tell me what you're thinking or what the motive is behind it, it just tells me how you would think. And that's why then with the other side of what I do is the micro expression, little twitches on the face that happen when in an unconscious moment, when something happens around you, 
we unconsciously react to it before our conscious mind can uh, step in and take it over. So that could be as fast as a fifth of a second down to one twenty-fifth of a second. And that little expression on your face or the little movement of the body, the twitch of the arm, et cetera, will give away what your emotions are. And then putting it together, you've got someone's character fairly quickly. But as you've been talking about the, the doctor and the other person, in that situation, it might have been a great relationship at first, but something else has happened along the way They, you know, to cause them to change. Now, it could be that, yes, they've been conning you from the beginning and they're working towards, you know, ripping you off. Or it could be that something has happened in their personal life that's forced them to react differently. The way they think and process will never change because that is their personality. Mm. As far as the things that they do as you go along with in a different events, that's their body language and expressions will give that information away. That'll tell you when things are happening. So if you can read those, you can quite often pick up that, oh, something's not right here. Maybe I need to look a little bit deeper. And you quite often you can pick things up before they uh, follow through with whatever that negative event is. Right. Now, talk, talking more technical, technically, mm. would you say, you know, looking at their facial expression would be the, the first thing to look at and then the body language? Or is it is night night that I want them being more they priority? Both, yeah, they both work together. But before I even look at that, I want to know the person. So, uh, and as far as the facial features, they don't change overnight. They mm. take a while to change. So if I can see a current photo of that person, say on their website, their LinkedIn profiles or whatever, I know their personality. I know how they like to think and process. So I can look at you and I can read you right now. Mm -hmm. If I might, I know that you like the, you need to analyze things to get the information, but you also look at all the different possibilities. So you'll take some time in making your decision, but you also like a lot of variety. So your face is telling me all these things. And if I know that, then I know how to speak to you and I know what to look for. If you operate outside of that, then I know something's going on. And right. that's when, I mean, when I've met you and we're talking, this is when I'm looking for your body language and your expressions that give away exactly what's um, uh, happening in that moment. First of all, have I read you right? Are you in agreement with what I'm talking about? And at the far end, are you trying to con me? Are you lying? So where some people just work with micro expressions and body language and try to become lie detectors, <laughs> I work in the other end of being a, a truth seeker. So I want to build a relationship with somebody. I want to be able to connect with them, uh, be able to help them and guide them as a client or as a friend, whatever. Uh, but also I want to be able to then by putting the, and looking for the other end of the micro expressions of body language, know whether something's going on. And if they are going through tough times, then I can help them. If I can recognize it early, they're going into depression or other things. You can pick up whether somebody's suicidal long before they actually commit mm. suicide. So be able to do all that. And then at the very far end, if that person is uh, set out to uh, con you, that will come out because there's, indiscrim there's incongruencies between what they're saying and what they're doing in their body. So non-verbals just give you so much information. Right. And what about, what about like eye, eye movement? Is that something that comes into play? You know, like they say, you know, like I think it's from NLP or yeah. uh, from sales. Yeah sales uh, type of you know skill sets looking mm. at people where that people look at that's it well we all look up to visualize <laughs> things we all look out to the side if we're trying to remember what something sounds like or we're trying to imagine what it sounds like we'll get, look down into our you know down below if we're going into our feelings the kinesthetic side of things or in that uh, internal dialect what's going on in our heads that stuff works very well but 
I know that people will say that if you're looking at me, for instance, if I look up to my left, I'm remembering something visual. If I look out to my left, I'm remembering what something sounded like. If I look out to the, my right, up to my right, I'm trying to picture something that didn't to imagine what it would look like. Mm. If I look out to my right, straight out to the left, out to the right side on the horizontal, then I'm trying to imagine what something sounds like. Now that's pretty right with me, but 90, that's 90% of the population, but some yeah. of the population is the opposite, about 10%. They right. are, their memory side is the opposite side, but visual is always up. Can, uh, what we hear is down below because as they say, a picture's worth a thousand words, so it's higher. That's where we actually look. That's where it came from. And then when we look down, kinesthetic is this when things really slow down and we start. And so we're looking down for that and also mm. internal dialect because we can't think as fast uh, in uh, words in our mind as we take information because we're taking over 2 million bits of information every second and we process about 134 bits. It's a very small fraction of it. It's a lot of information. Yeah. But that's all happens up, sunk, up unconsciously. Right? It's not yeah. like. But there's a lot of misnomers as well. Somebody will say, oh, if their eyes are moving around, you can't trust them. And that used to be a belief. And so, mm. they, especially you say, oh, the salesman, their eyes are moving, you can't trust them. Well, if they're looking straight at you and they don't change at all and you're asking them questions, then you know for sure that they know their stuff so well that when you ask them a question, they've already got it worked out. Right. So if you ask them something that they, they you know, oh, let's work this out and let's have, they've already got the plan already worked out. Mm. So you know that if their eyes aren't moving, you they then be a bit worried about whether you can trust them or not. They're looking around, especially if you're with me and we're talking about face reading and things like that, my eyes will be all over the place because I'm looking for somebody who's in the room I can use as a subject. Right, and yeah. Say, oh, I've just talked about that. Look at this person over here. Mm. So my eyes will be moving around. And if I want to remember something what it looks like i'm going to look up to pull that memory back in as quickly as i can so i then want to create well how to relay that to you i'm going to look in the other direction but i'm going to look up again mm -hmm. so my eyes will be moving the more active my mind is and the more i'm pulling concepts together and everything else my eyes are going to be moving if they mm. stop then you know that i'm not working anything out this is something i just know and it's just deadpan it's just straight uh, from a script now let's say example in a conversation you're talking to somebody um, let's say it's a salesperson and they're trying to you know tell you some sort of story or trying to give you like a pitch mm. um, you know trying to sort of hype up something you know about a product um, making claims and stuff how would you know if they're if they're making stuff up is that like if they're looking more like towards the right side towards the bottom or well the first thing is you know I get into a conversation with people I benchmark them I want to work out whether what's their memory side and what's their um, uh, their creation side, where they're creating new answers and where they're memory, remembering things from. And I get that. And then when I'm talking to them and I ask them about something that is, if they look in the opposite direction, then I know that they're making it up, that they are not talking about something that they know about. They're trying to make an answer out. So you can test people that way. Yeah, yeah. So like making an answer out, isn't that, isn't that when they look more towards the right side? Well, if they're wide like me, 90% of the population, yes, yeah. I'll look to my right to either create what something looks like out to the, yeah, the right on the horizontal to what it sounds like, and I'll go down to uh, my right side to my kinesthetic, mm -hmm. what it feels like inside. But uh, if I'm looking to my left and you've asked me about what was something that I saw, what did I hear, you know, what, uh, and I want to go into my internal uh, dialogue, I'm going to be looking to my left side. Because you're trying to memorize, uh, dig Remember into memory. Yeah. Mm -hmm. 
But if I then, and especially if you've been seeing me look over there and you ask me another question to delve deeper, and I look to my right, you go, oh, something's going on here, <laughs> you know? So you can pick things up that way. Yeah. But it's also the way in which you ask the questions. They talk about open questions and closed questions. But what most yeah. people think are uh, open questions are really what I call probing questions. Your open questions are, tell me about such and such, describe it. You know, so it's, yeah. it's the big open one. And people will, if they've got stuff they want to hide, they will be very quick to give you a lot of information, but they will conceal what they don't want you to know. Mm. And that's when you ask the probing questions of why, what, when, where's and how's, et cetera. This is where you start to fill those gaps in a bit, but they'll still refrain from telling you the real stuff that they don't want you to know. And that's when you use the closed questions, which are yes and no answers. Mm -hmm. And so, but by then you'll be able to build the picture. But while you're doing that, you're watching the body language and you're watching the expressions. Right. You're starting to see the shifts and the nervousness. You watch the breathing. It starts to change. The color of the skin will even change. You know, even if there's no change in light, the uh, pupils of the eyes will change with their emotions as well. They'll, they'll contract or they'll um, expand depending on what their emotions are. Because mm. when it comes to it, everything is connected. All the physiology and neurology are all linked. Whatever you feel inside, you're going to display outwardly. What you're thinking about is going to pick, uh, come out in your body and your, your expressions and your, your uh, body language. So there's so much there to be picked up. If you and all you have to do is uh, notice it. That's so many data points. I mean, you you truly have to practice this skill set to be really good at it in order to take it all in. Now, thinking about the future, uh, what, what I say to people is, that it, sorry, yeah, go ahead. Yeah, you just had a bit of a glitch there on the internet. I think. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. You were asking a question. Yeah, yeah. I was saying, you know, it's a lot of data points to take in, and and you know, be good at it. Obviously, you need to practice it, and that's that's where you come in. You've been doing that for years. Now, what do you feel? What do you think about? Um, you know, artificial intelligence, even though there is no such a thing at the moment, it's all sort of a, a more just programs right now. But, you know, at some point, I mean, and there's already, I think Google already has, you know, facial recognition hmm. software. Where do you yeah, think well, that goes and, and what problems that brings? It's got a long way to go yet before I would trust it. I know that um, they've been using videos uh, and taking uh, the shots from those to work out to recognize people identification they've also used it in marketing you sit down sit a person down put the cameras on them and you watch their uh, movements and everything else to see what their reactions is to say a market a new product is this something mm. we should market it how should we market it you know by talking to them in different ways you watch their reactions the body where their eyes move their body movements etc and in that particular case, you can work out whether that product's going to fly and which is the best way to uh, promote it out to the public, which is going to get the best reaction. That stuff works to the border control, to test somebody who's coming through uh, a flight, for instance, to know whether there's somebody who you shouldn't be letting in or not. That can all be worked out from the, from the cameras. They will take spots and get all the locations. Where they haven't been able to get a successful way uh, so far is when it comes to the personality traits. Right. Because the personality traits, when you have a video or a, a photograph, you have two dimensional. You don't have, we can see with our own eyes, we can see the depth in a photograph. But mm. the algorithms they use weren't able to work that out. 
And in fact, the lady who um, first trained me, Naomi Tickle, who a dear friend of mine, she when she trained me on the micro on the um, expressions, I'm try again, it trained me on the facial features. Yep. She had said to me that she had had a program. She was talking to some programmers, and they had a program where if you put your photograph in, it would then try and do a profile of you. And I mm-hmm. said, "Well, look, can I use it twice?" And what I did, I looked straight at the camera, and then on the next one, I slightly turned, and I got two different reports. Right. Yeah. Because it couldn't take the picture properly. I had another friend who said to me, "Right, well, if we had uh, stereo cameras, so if your face is turned one way a little bit." Two cameras take the photo at the same time with an algorithm, we will find a composite of the photograph. I said, well, that's great if I only move sideways, but what if I tilt up or down? So you needed four cameras. Mm. So that's off the, that particular uh, stuff is not there, but the cameras are getting to the point now in some of the algorithms where they're able to start reading depth. And that will, will be in the future, but I, from what I've seen of Google and others, I don't see that they're there yet. They've got a long way to go yet. Mm-hmm. And I've seen some of the profiles that they're doing with um, on uh, uh, LinkedIn, for instance. There's some a uh, lot of differences in there. You can change some of the things you put in there, change the the photograph slightly, and you get a different report from it. Wow, that's so many so many different things with this stuff. We could go on and on. Now, I'd like to talk about your campfire project for a little bit as well, because mm-hmm. that that is your most latest project. You've been doing it for about year or two i think it's been about just getting towards about 20 uh, two months now so just short of uh, two years mm-hmm. and it's it's about connecting men and and women to be better um, mm. at yeah. so communicating together right yeah well see where it all started for me you know it was about almost two decades ago now i i'd had a break from the things i was doing i was a massage therapist at that time i mm-hmm. separated from my second wife and so i put that on hold and I got back into massaging, but instead of doing remedial massage, I had people coming to me who had had cancers and they were reversing some of their conditions. Now, for me as a technical person, I had no understanding of this whatsoever. So through some chance meetings, I needed some answers to why I was getting people who were terminally ill and they were going through experiences and then coming back, you know, I'd work with them for several months, ending up for three months. And they would come back and say that their conditions were reversing and I needed answers. I connect with some Aboriginals who took me through initiation. So I went out, uh, went through their culture for over a year. They then I went through initiation. And that's when I understood about bringing boys into manhood. Right. The process that was there. And I knew that most men, I knew I was in that category. I had no idea of the role within the family. I was lost within the business because of all the political correctness and all the stuff that was going on. We had just made it so difficult for men to understand, which is why you know, frustration and other things build up and domestic violence has been so high. So to try and fix a problem before, we created one. And so the men now were lost. And I thought they need a safe place where they could come and tell their stories. So I put the Campfire Program together for that. It was also then once you've helped a boy into manhood, where do you take them from there? Well, the next step is I'm also a Freemason, which is about helping men to become better men. So Mm -hmm. bring them into manhood, help them to become better men. So I created the Campfire Project as a, um, a safe place on Facebook where the men could come in, give themselves permission to tell their stories. And in that process of telling their story, they could then find some answers and other men could then join in. And they went from one-on-one chats like you and I are having now yeah. to uh, video ones of four people on screen, so me and three others. And we talked about issues affecting men and women, our, our children and society. The women have been in the group from day one. 
and the test was to see if the women would respect the men, which they did. And it was for the women then to be able to see and hear what these men were like. It wasn't yeah. long before they were sending me personal messages going, we want to be part of this as well. We love the way these guys are talking. We've never heard it before. We want to be part of it. So then I brought them into the conversations. And now we have the only way to describe them as magical, respectful conversations between men and women. And I've now interviewed over um, 100 and, uh, about 115 uh, individuals in that period of time. We've had over 65 uh, panel discussions. And now some of the other people in the Campfire Project are getting busy as well, and they're starting to duplicate that. So it was where Me Too came out in 2003, I think it was, to combat the abuse against women. Yeah. And then Men Too started in 2018 to combat some of the abuse of some of the women in those groups who were putting out false allegations. As I said, they fix the problem of the day, but then they create issues for the next uh, year yeah. or the future. And so under the banner of hashtag we together, when you're working together, you're always moving forward. And so that's what the campfire is about. I think that's so important right now. Like what you're doing, this is this is awesome. Because yeah, like you said, the 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 political correctness and the Me Too and, and all that sort of stuff, that just creates a, a, a division between genders okay. and polarizes the whole society. You mm-hmm. look at you look at so many different examples of that. You look at Jordan Peterson, it's a good example how he how they, you know, sort of uh that was about you know the different uh, what's that name of it you know the, the different gender uh, mm. you know what what I'm talking about yeah. yeah and so yeah I think conversation between men and women it's so important right now to get on to get on a, a same page so that there's a more um, compassion for each other and yeah, empathy see. see I can't have an opinion on anybody until I've got a good understanding and mm. so you know campfire project is open to it's not just men and women, but it's everybody who uh, associate themselves with any other division of that. So it's for all people. Now, one of the best conversations I had was with a uh, a man who's transgendering into or transfer, you know, trans, what do they call it, so transferring over to a female. Yeah. So, yeah, brilliant conversation to find out some of the things that she is now thinking, what brought her to that mm. is so in, important. And it's also in that conversation, I was able to transfer some of my thoughts from being him to her. And so that all that does by having those conversations, it enriches my life because I have a better understanding. And the better understanding I have, the more respectful and uh, better relationships I can create with other people. Because like you said, you, you, can't, be, you can't be opinionated about either either. It's, it's, it's more about understanding from where everybody's coming from, from their point of view. And that, that's that's where we can then... Mm be more uh, yeah, respectful a good example to, for that yeah. for people right now is how many people who are listening to this have had to um, homeschool their kids mm. well i guarantee you've got a different respect for teachers now what oh. they have to do is in the <laughs> past you might have thought oh teachers oh you know and look down your nose at them i hope you have a more healthy uh, respect for the work that they do yeah absolutely now this project i can definitely tell this is started out of um you know out of passion this is mm. not a commercial project for you is it no well You'll find that uh, people are making money out of it. I'm the only person who's not. All the other coaches I brought in or people who came in, if they're running a project or a program where it helps somebody in their personal life, it helps to develop, helps them you know, save their lives, uh, even those that have written some really great books, which like one of the guys in there has written Excalibur, which is a great book about how to become a man, the processes that are involved in all that. Mm-hmm. So with them, once they've done a one-on-one and people now have their measure, 
they have credibility, then I say to them, right, now you can post in the Campfire Project, put a, a post up. And a lot of them, because of the talks they've given, they're now attracted. A lot of the other members are now, they've been coached. They're coaching those people. And some of the uh, people who have come in have actually decided, right, we now need to put pre uh, programs together. There was one guy and one of the women, they both work in the domestic violence area. Well, now they're putting a program together, which is one work mainly with females, the other one work with the males. Now they're putting one together that brings a whole lot together. And that's what's coming out of the Campfire Project. It wasn't my tribe, it was to be our community. And now mm -hmm. that people are jumping into it and buying into it, that's definitely what it's become. So you don't have a, any problem if people sort of make it into a, a commercial option as well? No, if they come in, they, they promote their, um, their program. See, to actually have anybody listen to your one-on-one -on -one chat, you have to invite your network in to hear that chat because they don't post them outside. Yeah. Because some of those talks have been quite horrific in what yeah. the people have been through. You want so people to feel safe. In, yeah. You've got to respect it. Yeah, you've got to look after them. So for their friends to listen to it, they've got to invite them in. But at the same time, they said, well, that's just going to grow your, um, the campfire program. So yes, it will. But if you also want to then promote the, because now you've got credibility, you've spoken in front of everyone. If you want to then promote one of the events or things that you're running, not only does your group get it, but the campfire gets it. And the campfire is connected to all those other groups around the world. So now by having it as a closed group, I've actually opened up the programs that you have up open to the world. And so they're getting more people. And so we've got some of the people in America, some of them in England, some in Australia, all doing joint ventures together. So if they make money out of it, great, because the people who are paying them for those services are getting something they couldn't get anywhere else. Mm. It's changing and helping them grow their lives. Yeah. So, That's... yeah, I walk my talk. It's all about relationships are the most important thing to me. It's the way I run my business. I want to help somebody to build stronger relationships with their clients. It's not about ripping the client off. It's if you focus on your client, you focus off yourself. You take the focus off the money you want to make. You put it on the client. You fulfill the client's needs. And I guarantee doing that by putting your client first, you'll make more money than if you just put your own needs first. Oh, yeah, 100%. Definitely. Now, on your website, hmm. um, you, def you, you have a bit of a definition, uh, sort of distinction between emotional empathy and compassion empathy. Would you be... Hmm. You know, I can't do elaborate what that means, yeah. the difference. Well, there's three levels of empathy, as I see it. The first one is cognitive. That's being able to recognize that someone's in pain. Now, just about everybody on the planet can has that ability. There are a few people who can't read expressions, et cetera, because of the conditions they have. But the majority of people can read that one. And even a torturer or a bully needs to be able to have that ability. Because if you can't see the person's in pain, then you don't know. You're not getting your jollies. You don't feel that you're actually achieving anything. You could be, tick you know, if you're a, a, um, a torturer, you could be tickling the person. So you've got to be able to recognise they've got pain. But the next one up is emotional empathy, and that's where we feel the other person's pain. We, and this is where the women are brilliant at this because they get into it, they can really understand it. And the connection there is that, you know, you feel the other person's pain, but the negative side of that can be that if you feel their pain too, for too often, the end result is you take a side. And we see it on Facebook and social media uh. all the time where people buy in on one person's comment and then you've got a fight, fighting uh, tribes, fractions going on all over the place. Mm. And so emotional empathy, you have to have it because if I can't feel your pain, I'm not going to be able to connect with you. So I've got to have that. But the next level is compassionate empathy. So the first one was I can see your pain. Next one, I can feel your pain. The third one is let's get it fixed. 
Now, this is where men really came to their fore because we were all about fixing problems. Because right, we yeah. don't like feeling them. So the first thing we want to do is move on to the compassionate. So and this is where things sort of uh, fell down a little bit because men were told we had to move to compassion, into the emotional empathy. We got no guidance in how to do it, got totally bogged down, and now you've got all these snags sensitive to new age guys who have no idea of what's going on. And men then got, felt they were, even, were less than what they were before because, hey, we can't even do this. We couldn't do that. Nobody wanted it. Now we can't do this. There's another problem. But I would say to every man, most women, if they are stressed out and under pressure, they would like for the man to be able to go up and say to them, don't worry about it, I've got this, and take it off their shoulders. Mm. The whole thing is where we made the mistake was we try to do that all the time. You yeah. haven't bothered to ask the woman, is this something you want me to listen to or is it something you want me to fix? Right. That's where, that's where we need to apply the compassionate empathy before we try and fix it. So yeah. this is how we connect with the women. So we don't buy into all the emotional empathy because let's face it, when somebody's in pain, we don't want to watch it. We don't want to see it. We just want to jump in and correct the situation. Mm. That's the difference with the emotional and compassionate. So uh, I think good at- cognitive, but each of us have our own specialty with the emotional and, uh, and compassionate area. And, and in either case, in order to be good at any type of empathy, would you say the number one attribute be being present? like just really focusing on that other person, what they say, what they're trying to communicate. That's it. Focus on the other person. You always ask yourself, why am I doing this? Is it because like, you know, I'm feeling their pain, but I really want to get away from that. Well, the whole thing is I want to listen to the other person, find out what's going on. I'm quite an emotional person. I found that when I started doing emotional empathy, yeah, just Mm. exhausted me, wore me out. That's, I found massaging, working with all those terminally ill patients, I'd finish the day and I had to disappear into my cave, you know, go as deep as I possibly could to get away from all the pressures. So by having then the ability to be able to listen but not take it on and go, this person just wants me to listen to what they've got to say, fine, mm-hmm. I can do that. And I know that they don't want me to pick it up, hey, I won't pick it up. And so after that conversation, I can walk away having felt no more pressure on myself, whereas before in the past, I used to take it with me. Yeah. As they say, a prob- it's an incorrect saying. They say that a problem shared is a problem halved. If it's fixed, then it is. But if it's one that's left to drag on in emotional empathy for that long period of time, it's now a problem that's multiplied and the time frame it actually exists for is escalated. So it's a case of understanding. So if somebody comes to me and they've got a problem, my first thing is, do you want this fixed? Do you want me to listen? If you want it fixed, then okay. I still need to listen because, as they say, you've got one mouth and two ears. Well, go a bit further. You've got one mouth, two ears, and two eyes. Use them in that proportion. The I, nonverbals is most of the conversation that gives you far more information than the words will ever give you. Now, I've got a, I've got a good example of this one. Sometimes, you know, I, when I drive in the car with my, my, my girlfriend, you know, sometimes I just want to share something from you know from what i do in business and something that i'm really excited not necessarily i need her to provide an advice on her point of view i just want to like share it and just just her sort of just acknowledge it and say that's cool it's almost like i've got an expectation what i want her to say um which is not right either but you know what what she tends to do she goes in and starts you know giving other you know, advice, like how, how I could be doing that differently. Um, and, and sort of, I don't know, for some reason that sort of infuriates me because I'm like, mm. I don't need, 
I don't need you to give me other ideas. I just wanted you to ac- mm. like acknowledge it. This is what I've been doing. You know, what do you, is that wrong of me to feel like that? No, it's, it's totally normal for me to do that because it's a case of you need to be able to express yourself. Otherwise you bottle it up, you keep it down. And sooner or later it comes out as an explosion. And in relationships, it'll be something else that triggers that. It's got nothing to do with that pressure, but all of a sudden the other event becomes a major one. So mm. you need to be able to express yourself. It, the other person, you know, we'd like them to understand, but remember, none of us have a crystal ball. <laughs> we can't read what's going on inside. Now you have aesthetic appreciation, which I have as well, which is all about how it feels inside. So you'll withdraw to your cave when you're under pressure and everything else. And you don't want somebody just nagging you and telling you what to do. You want to be able to work it out for yourself. But sometimes we just need to voice that. So instead of expecting your partner to understand that, because it's perfectly right for you to feel that way, because that's the way it affects you. But before you get into that conversation, let her know, hey, I need to voice this. I just want a sounding board. I just love you to listen. Yeah, I just I want to hear. To fix it. Yeah, so I just preempt yeah. that in advance. Mm-hmm. Because and remember, the other person wants to help because of two reasons. One, they really care about you in the case of a girlfriend mm-hmm. or in the case of uh, other people and you get into emotional stuff, they just don't want to feel it because it feels horrible. They don't want to take it on. So then they'll try and fix the problem for you. Yeah. So I'll give you an example. I was in the car one day and I had a friend of mine who the way is a uh, negotiator, which I thought was quite interesting, the conversation. We were both involved in a health forum. And as we're driving out to this meeting with uh, one of the schools, uh, we were talking about the health forum and there was one somebody else in the group who had really pushed his buttons. And I said, well, what are you going to do about it? Oh, the tirade that went on. You know, he was really angry and swearing and everything else. And so I let him go. When he finished, he looked at me. I could see that he noticed that he went, oh, my God, I've just sounded off like this. I said, can I ask him another question? And he said, what's that? And I asked him the first question again. What are you going to do about it? Now I realized, and then he gave me this very structured outline of the things he was going to do, all the logic and everything else. He couldn't put that in place prior to getting rid of the, having the outburst, letting the energy go. He needed to vent. And I realized that first time he was venting, Mm. he didn't need me to fix. He didn't need my suggestions because one of the biggest problems we have today is we've got so many coaches out there and the majority of coaches, the timing is that once they start talking to you or you talk to them, within 70 seconds, they will that, be telling you what to do. Yeah. There is no way. That's total disrespect. There is no way that anybody can have that information. So it's a case of, as I say, you've got uh, one mouth, two eyes and two ears. Yes, I'm going to be listening. I'm also going to be watching as well. And I'll use that most of the time. And it's only that when I, I believe there's something I've got to say, I will say it. But where I am using my voice is first ask a question, get the answer, ask a question on that, get an answer, ask a question. I want to delve that deeply that I have all the information I've uncovered and got beyond the emotions to the actual facts. And so then I can address the factual situation, not get caught up on the outburst of the emotions. I think this is a perfect segue to talk about uh, ethical selling. Mm. Because when from my experience, I've had the best success signing up new personal training clients when obviously they've came in for, for a meeting face to face. And I literally just asked them, tell me your story and, and just got them to talk and actively listen. 
mm. then respond it with my understanding what they said so that they know that I've actively listened. And then follow that with additional questions to rather than me providing a solution, asking them what do they think that they need to do. Hmm. And then and and then in addition, then maybe adding some of my additional input, what I also suggest they should do. And that created that sort of meeting halfway approach to what the solution is. And signing up and putting, you know, putting those credit card details and all that, that was you know, that was that wasn't even selling. That was just okay, well, cool. This is how we're gonna do it. All right. And then the rest was just admin. See, people don't buy your product. They buy you. Mm. In business, people talk about business relationships. There's no such thing as a business relationship because businesses don't talk to each other. You know, Google doesn't talk to Microsoft. It's a people inside the organization that talk to each other. So every relationship is a personal relationship. And if people say, oh, that's not true, well, think about a mortgage broker or a, um, a finance uh, advisor, for instance. They mm. have a book of list of people that they deal directly with. They leave that firm and go somewhere else. I guarantee most of their people will follow them because they bought the person and then they, you know, they didn't buy the organization. So the whole thing is, yes, a person has a need. Okay. If I know their need, I can provide an answer to that need, but it's, that's where you get paid by the hourly rate. If I know why they want that now, I can then look at what I can provide on that. So there's a much bigger area that I can provide, but even that we're still, the need is the features. The benefits are what they want out of it. But what's the benefits behind the benefits? Okay, you mm. want this. Why do you want that? Tell me more about that. So even if you're talking to a, a coaching client, for instance, and they get into their emotions, when they get into that and you can ask questions, well, what would be the? What would you like to be doing? Tell us more about that. What sort of things resonate? Where do you want to go? Once you've got all that, then you go, okay, now I know how to help you. And so you've made that connection. And in that process... Have you earned the right then to be the one that they come to to deliver that service? Of course mm. you have because you've spent that time with them. How many other coaches have started giving them advice as soon as they start? And now, are those coaches any good? No, because most of the time they don't want to hear what you're saying. They're trying to fix the problem because it's all about them. Yeah, the and there's also are the ones that will take more time listen to you. And also I've come across coaches who then, you know, once they, you know, they provide their whole solution without, you know, them properly listening to me, you know, they, they put those NLP type of questions, you know, like, mm. you know, if, if you're not ready to invest this type of thing is, you know what I mean? Like those little, little manipulation. Yeah. Yeah. I hate that. I hate mm. that. Yeah, Cause you're trying to make the person feel guilty. Well, where's the trust in that? Hmm. You know, I've just had a, a meeting this morning with a number of people and yep, they asked me about the courses and everything else. And I told them, I said, look, even before you do that, here's a free gift. Go and have a look at this, test it out. When you go down to the beach on a cold day, you want to go in for a swim. Do you just go and throw yourself in the surf or do you stick your toe in to test the water out? So I get people to go away and test it. I said, look, if you come back to be my client, I want to make sure that you really want to do this because my time is valuable and I don't want to be spending time helping you to do something you're not going to apply because that wastes both our time. Yeah. I could be out there helping somebody else who really wants this. So for me, everything's based on, a, you know, I teach people how to read people to build stronger relationships. Everything is on that relationship and I have to respect that relationship. I need to talk, spend the time with that person that they require to be able to get to that point where they can tell me everything that they need to tell me so that I can then come up with the best solution for them. And if mm -hmm. I do that, then I've earned the right to uh, charge them for the service I provide.
So in this scenario that you just mentioned, sorry, mate. You go ahead. Um, in this scenario that you just mentioned, you basically, like you said, you provide the solution to the client, you know, and, and then you leave them to, to come back to you to decide you're not going to, you're not going to, like you said, you're not going to waste your time if it's you know, not going to be good for either party. Mm-hmm. But then, you know, the typical saying, going back to sales is, you know, how they say, you know, it's, it's all about the follow up. Mm-hmm. So yeah. where, that, where does that come in yeah. place? Mm-hmm. Well, that's exactly the next point. You know, just because I've said I'd let them go away and think about it doesn't mean I'm not following up. Right. Because in that conversation, I'll go, right, I know that the information that we've covered now is going to be freshest in your mind now. It's going to get less and less over time. Mm-hmm. If they say to me, oh, I've got to go away and check with somebody, I'll say, right, well, I would have found that out beforehand and made sure that there was nobody else involved in making the decision. If they were, I wanted to meet them at the same time as well. I'm looking at removing those obstructions first of all because if somebody else is involved, I'm putting them in a very hard position where what I've told them, they're going to go and try and remember and relay to the other person. Yeah. And if they can't relay in a way in which the other person likes it, then they feel like a fool. I'm not going to put them in that position. So I'll say to them, look, you know, if their uh, partner, their spouse or work colleagues or whatever else are involved, I'll say, look, let's get us together. The call I had this morning was with six people. They're all in a group. And I could have talked to one who's actually been one of my clients for a number of years. Uh, I could leave it to her to go and to explain to them. I said, no, get them on a Zoom call. They're all over Australia. Let's get them on a Zoom call this morning and I'll go through it. So I allowed all of them to hear it firsthand. Now they can go away and make the decision. But as I've said to them, right, if I'm, you know, I've got a course that I've recommended, then I'll say, look, go away and think about it if you need to and check, you know, here's a few things you can go and check out, get some more information. But I'll call you in the next 48 hours and I'll even set up a time because I know right. if I leave it for a long period of time, life gets in the way, they start to forget what we talked about. And I think, rightio, then, well, I'm doing them a disservice if I leave it over mm-hmm. a long period of time. I do them a service if I go, right, let's talk in the next couple of days. And in that way, that's how I further save my time because if they can't make their decision in that period of time, I'm wasting my time chasing them up over a period of time. I'm also annoying them. It's not helping my reputation and it's not helping to to get the sale. In fact, I'm just digging a dip, pushing a bigger and bigger gap between the two of us, the longer I process it or chase it. Yeah. So again, it's, it's not getting rid of anything. It's a matter of doing it in the right uh, fashion. And, and, and doing it in a way where both parties always agree to the next step. Like you said, agreeing to the next follow up in 24 hours. Yeah. Awesome. Uh, you know, I've got my master programs. I've got some shorter programs. And I'll say to somebody, well, I know that the, you know, the master program is what you really need, mainly because of the structure of your business and what you want to do and everything else. But I go, even before you jump into that, so that when you get into, you go into that, you're really enthusiastic, go and do this first. And it'll be a smaller part because that'll be part of the bigger part, the bigger program. So then get a taste for it. And I've even said to them, right, when you do, they say, what about when I come back and do the master one? I said, I'll take that part off the price off it because now you've already done that. We'll just go over that again in the program. Still take the same amount of time, but you're already part paid for it. That's been some of your homework before we actually get through the course. So Mm -hmm. it's always looking at how do I value my time? How do I value the person I'm working with and deliver it in a way in which they see the value and they've got that really in their own mind. They've got no choice because everything's been based on not me trying to manipulate them with all the little jargons and as you said, the NLP approaches, but because there's an honest connection between us and they know that I can help them 
achieve what it is they want to achieve. And because I've gone into what the benefit behind the benefit was, now like somebody who says, I just want to get more sales. Why do you want to get more sales? Well, it's because I want to spend more time. You have more time. Do you want to make more money or do you want to have more time? They go, oh, more time. What are you going to do with that time? Next thing you know, you find out by asking a lot of different questions and then them expressing what is really important to them. You find out that they want to be at home when their kids go to school and they want to be there when they come home from school. Mm. And in that conversation, you might find out they want to take their kids to school. So I'll be asking them, what are you going to be doing on the way there? Do you drive? Do you walk? Yeah. Why is that so important? And you just watch their, as they talk, their feelings go right into that and their thoughts go with it. So is that what you really want? Yes, it is. Well, this is how we can do it. So I've really earned the right to be able to put a program or something in front of them that is not just off the shelf, but completely designed specifically for their needs. And in that they go, well, you've really focused on me. You haven't been focused on selling a product. I go, no, well, at the end of the day, if you don't buy, you don't buy. That's fine. But if you do, what you get is going to be the best possible thing for you because that, again, reflects back on my reputation. If they don't get the best and they're not a raving client, you know, a raving fan of what I do, then I haven't done my job right. Yeah. I've still got clients who are still doing testimonials for me 10 years after I've worked with them. They're still wow. getting results. And like you said, this is not about trying to close the sale. This is about them fully get on board with that solution and be fully That's invested it. in it. That's where mm. they get those results. That's awesome. That's it. And because I'm all about relationships, I've got to walk my talk. <laughs> That's how I'm full on when it comes to this. Now, Alan, on to our next part. I'd like to talk to you as a business owner. I know mm. you're, you know, you're very passionate about what you do uh, and it's providing you not only career and benefit, but also business. Um, so can we talk a little bit about your business journey with, with all this? Yep. What is the hardest thing you've had to overcome in business so far? It was one of the things was uh, because of all the, the problems I've had with business partners and everything else, before I was able to read people, it was about trusting people. And so I felt I had to do everything myself. And so that was doing the accounting, doing um, the selling, doing the, the product research, everything else. And I wouldn't employ anyone else to do that work um, because I also thought that, well, I had to educate them before I could get them to do the work, which is going to take the same amount of time to educate them as it would be to do the job. Mm. So, you justified everything. <laughs> yeah. So it then came to, a re- I just realized that I was just burning myself out. So I then uh, looked at, well, I've got to find a redoing my manuals, but I want to do them in a certain way. I want to have it so that I can, just take stuff out and everything just reforms, you know, the indexes and everything else. I can go and research all of that or I can give it to somebody. Not only do I give them to put it together, but then they tra- transferred all the information in that I had into it and did a great job with that. Now all I've got to do is just go and clean it up and add new things into it. Mm. So finding the right people around me, and luckily because I can profile people so quickly, in that first instance when I meet them, I know whether they can do the work regardless of what they've written on their resume or their LinkedIn profile or wherever, their face tells me everything I need to know. There's their interview before I even get started. So uh, I know um, the process. I can see all the listeners right now like, oh, I need this skill set because that is a, such a powerful skill set. And I've been very successful with the um, and reading people that way. They've been perfect. Um First, when I came back from America after doing a lot of my training, uh, I need to rebrand my business. Now, that's something I would have done myself in the past and done probably 
a mediocre job at best because it's not my skill. Because uh, all of us have, all the traits that we have have an upside and a downside. Every trait that we have and every trait you have, every trait that every listener has is perfect for that person. But if we know where our strengths are, we know where we can actually produce and create, where we can make our most money and everything else. The downside of our traits are the things that, you know, we don't do so well. They're the ones that push our buttons. Well, this is why we have teams. We usually find somebody who does the stuff that we don't like doing. And if they love doing that, they'll do a great job of it and we can pass it over to them and we can then do more of what we love to do. And when I finally, with doing all this uh, research and understanding and doing all the learning around the profiling side, it finally dawned on me that if I do the stuff I love to do and everything I don't like doing, find somebody who can do that well, I'm going to get the results back sooner or get them back in a better uh, format and I won't have any pressures in the process. I'll be enjoying doing the stuff I love to do. Then I realized, oh, isn't that what we do when we create teams? <laughs> we bring a team together. <laughs> Yeah, a <laughs> bit slow on that one at times. This is awesome. This is this eighty twenty rule that I keep hearing, seeing all over and over again. Just being confirmed by many other business business owners, people that I speak to. It just this is yeah, this is the obviously something that works. You you got to do what what you're good at. That's the eighty percent, and then try and delegate what you what you know. For anybody listening right now, yeah, this is this is what you need to look at. That's awesome. That's it. Now, what is the what is uh, tell me tell me one thing that sort of um, nobody else agrees with you on? Oh, one of my traits is I have very high ideals. Now, everyone has ideals, but uh, most people. I, I look at you, for instance. I can see that you're more realistic. For the bigger group of people, when things are going on, you will look at the overall picture and go, right, well, that value is important to me, but in this situation, I can put that aside, and you know relax a little bit because you can bring people together the sooner everything else. Nah, I'll go down with the ship. This is the way it's supposed to be done. If anybody breaks that, then you've got a problem. I don't care mm. what the majority thinks. This is the right way to do it. So I'm pretty much bloody minded when it comes to some of those things. And that can cause a few uh, issues with other people. Yeah. No, I can, I can actually relate to that a little bit. Um, Cause uh, I like to refer it back to my own, my own country, but maybe maybe I'm just maybe it's not right. But you know, I'm from Czech Republic, so it's post-communist country. The way I was raised is obviously been heavily influenced by those previous generation that been you know in that in that communist era, and it was all about hard work, follow the systems. Um, but ultimately, about the hard work being that main sort of a commonality there. And then when I came to Australia, and I I worked for myself for many years. Now you know managing other people managing some stuff i've actually come into some situation where i just you know wanted to pull my hair because <laughs> i don't know if it's if it's to do with you know a, a different culture or it's got to do with you know the um, me being at the different age level and then dealing with you know employees who are like you know 10 12, 12 years younger i don't know but yeah it's a combination of all of those things it comes down to there's an old saying that we are the the sum of all of our experiences so your culture is going to have an effect i can see that from that you know, side of things that if you're that's what you're told all the way through your life that's going to be fairly strong you know laid back uh, side of things a lot of people in australia are more laid back mm. you know, we take it as a comes type attitude uh 
my father died when I was three. My mother was really strict. I learned my carpentry skills from her. She, and this is where some of my attitude came from because she did everything herself. She was not going to rely on a man or anybody else outside the family. And so she learned to do everything. And I, but she was her best student. I followed and learned everything so she could teach me. So that was the worth ethics that, yes, it was, this is a way to do things. You work hard and all the rest of it. But then when, you know, you get all the motivational people saying, oh, you know, you deserve everything that you can get. You know, you don't have to do work for it. You just deserve it. Yeah. And, oh, my God, do I clash on that. (laughs) Yeah, well, I'm with you on that one. (laughs) I also clash on the term fake it till you make it. That one pushes my buttons big time. Because if you fake it till you make it, you're always going to be a fake. You know you're faking it. Therefore, you will never achieve it. Where that came from was some motivational speaker who thought they were funny. It came from the term act as if. And if you think about a character actor, they go out and they really learn the part of, Mm. say, a psychopath, for instance. And the moment they start playing the role, you my God, they are a psychopath. They really play it well because they act as if they were that person. The moment you act as if, you're already there. Well, you fake it till you make it, you'll never make it. And so that's one of the things that I do clash on a lot of people with is that statement. They bring it up, I cringe. You can actually see the hair's got on the back of my neck. Ready to fight. <laughs> Good example right now is oh, with all the with all the uh, uh, all the Instagram, you know, entrepreneurs buying, you know, those fake followers and all that and just faking it till they're making it. I just hate that. That's yeah. Like I said, I'm a big believer in hard work and, and, and you know, you got to go through your own journey. You can't fake anything. You got to go through it. You got to go through those experiences. You got to fail. You got to learn from your mistakes. That's the only way you're going to mature into, into, a, into a decent, you know, business. Because those failures you have yeah. are the, actually the, the things that take you forward. As I say, fail forward. If you fail, what did you learn from? And you keep moving forward. And if you do that, you'll always grow. If you're not making mistakes, you're not growing. Yeah, you're either uh, green and growing or you're brown and, uh, you know, you're dead. You're overripe. You're done. You don't go anywhere. So it's a case of keep learning and keep moving forward, keep making mistakes and learn from those mistakes. That's essential in business. It's essential in life. Because if you don't make any mistakes, then you're not trying anything. You're still doing the same thing you've always done. And as far as I'm concerned, that was not much of an existence. Mm. Now, one thing people can do, to fast track certain areas of their learning and experience is uh, hire a coach like you. And that's the way to do it because, and the thing is, if you do hire a coach, ask them first of all, how do they, you know, have you been through what I've been through, I'm going through at the moment? Tell us how you came through it. What did you learn on the way? Because in that conversation, the coach should realize they're not giving anything away. They're not, the person's not going to be able to go away and coach themselves because no mm. one can coach themselves. I've got coaches. I always will have coaches. My coaches change over time depending on what area I need to improve in. And so I've got them in the the marketing side, you know, people like Steve Brossman. I've got people when it comes to my finance side of things, how to do my books and everything. I've always got coaches who will explain to me, but I always find out, show me your experience because how many life coaches out there at the moment, you know, 22 and 23 year olds, you know, Unless they have went through a lot of abuse at the very early age, they've got no life experiences. Mm. They've got a lot of excitement, a lot of uh, um, rah-rah and everything else, and good luck to them. You know, I actually feel envious that they're so lively. But I ask myself, how much do they really know? So ask your coach. If you came to me, test me. You know, 
I would not, uh, if anybody came through the door and said, I want to hire you, I go, well, what do you know about me? I really want to know that because otherwise things will go awry as you start to coach. Mm. And that person, you know, you'll you have clashes. I don't need them out there bagging what I do. I want yeah. to make sure that they get what they came to me for. And therefore I have to make sure before I even take them on as a coach that whatever they came to me for coaching on, I can deliver. If not, I've got a great network and I will point them in the direction of the person I think will look after them the best. Because people say, oh, but you're losing out in a deal. No, I'm gaining my reputation. That will actually grow my business more than if I just took that person on and worked with them. Yeah, absolutely. Now, in a second, I'm actually going to ask you how people can find out more about that. But before we get into that, do you have anything that you'd like to, do you have any advice that you, you would recommend to you know somebody um, looking to start a business? Yeah, first thing I would be saying to you is that, you know, just remember that the most important thing you'll ever learn is the next thing you learn after you think you know everything. So keep an open mind. When you start a business, don't try to be everything. You know, look at it and go, right, who do I need? What things aren't I good at? What parts are in the business? You know, am I good at doing the books? Am I good at this? What areas aren't I good at? Go out and find people who can then provide that service to you. But always make sure that you build a relationship with them first so that you can trust them. But once you do hire them, as you've said before when we started it, there were those people who were great at first but then changed. So it's always being aware. Don't just take them on Facebook and say, right, they're fine and forget about it. Mm. While you continue to build a relationship with that person, while you engage with them, you will pick up things when they're going awry if they do go awry so that you can pick it up before things go the wrong way and you lose money. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So have that skill, learn how to read people. What, you know, doesn't necessarily mean come to me, but I would say learn how to read people, spend more time with your ears and your eyes open and your mouth shut and get more and understand people at that point. Then you can build your business more effectively. You can then trust the people you've got around you. And the thing is, yes, you do work hard but you don't have to work hard doing the stuff you're no good at you can work harder at the stuff that you're good at therefore enjoy yourself more and the uh, the job the business is much more enjoyable to have and you'll last a lot longer at it that's awesome awesome advice thank you alan now if people do want to find you how they can find you well best way is uh well my name is alan stevens a-l-a-n-s-t-e-v-e-n-s and the website is .com.au so it's my name with the .com.au you go into facebook uh, these days i've got all my friends saying the only thing they see on their feed now is me <laughs> so i'm uh, doing so much in there um there's Stay, staying relevant it. yeah and uh, that's the whole thing plus if you uh, do searches for things like uh, well for a period of time because i was doing a lot of uh, profiling for the media they were calling me the celebrity profiler yeah and so you'll look for celebrity profiler look for the word reading faces uh you'll see my face come up quite a bit around the place but the website's the best and the website if you do go there go to the success story pages because instead of asking me how good I am go in and check there you'll see a lot of people who will tell you what they got out of the work they do with me and it covers all areas mental health business raising children coaching all of those different areas so that you can hear what other people have said how they've applied it and therefore, you know, well, okay, this is something that I want to do. If that's the case, hit the contact form in there, send me a message and we'll have a chat. And the chats are free. 
word of mouth is the most effective form of marketing. That's when it. other people can vouch for you, that's that's perfect. So what you just said, it's a it's an excellent way to to put it. Um, go and watch watch other testimonials. Great. Now, um, I'm going to make sure that I'm going to put all the links in the show notes. But do you also have anything like a particular offer? I know you've got a few things on your website, yeah. some resources. I Somebody, you know, yeah. you know what I mean. Yeah. Well, one of the things is to understand. You know, we've talked about how I read faces and everything else, but I'm sure that your listeners would like to be able to test that out for themselves. Mm. So my website, alanstevens.com.au forward slash the number seven and the word secrets is one word that will take you to a landing page where you can sign up for the, for the seven secrets. It won't put you into my mailing list as such. You have to then go to my main page and opt into that. But what it does, it puts you into an email sequence. There are six emails you get over uh, 11 days. So every two days after the first one. And they talk, they actually take you through how to read a number of different traits. You'll see me on stage working with business people, getting their feedback and everything else. So you know how to read it. You'll know the, from their responses, how they uh, responded to it. You'll know how to then read yourself and read another person and how to change the way you speak to them. So there's three are there on three different traits. Then there's someone how to read whether the person's telling the truth. And of course, the last one wraps it all up. And that's a free offer to any of your people to um, to check that out. Wow! Thank you so much, Alan. That's that's an amazing that's an amazing offer, and I'll be sure to put that in the show notes as well. I'm sure a lot of listeners will will be interested to take that take that on. Now, one last question is a question is what question I should have asked I haven't. <laughs> that's the whole <laughs> thing because I've. I get so involved in the conversation, as you know, notice my whole personality was somebody who wasn't animated, but these days I'm very animated <laughs> because I love the work that I'm doing. I love connecting with people. I love seeing them getting their results. The only uh, question that could have been asked, well, it's not so much a question, it's one probably for me to ask, and mm-hmm. that is if anybody out there does have any questions, why not get in touch with me and have a, ch- a chat? Mm-hmm. That pretty much covers it because I think we covered a lot. We bounced around. We transferred. We did, over, yeah. <laughs> so it's a little bit like having baked the cake. It's already in the, the pan ready to go in the oven. Now, you know, what temperature do you want to put it at? That's probably the next question. That's awesome. I haven't heard that one before. That's great. Now, we're at one hour and uh, 12 minutes, which is awesome. Uh, we've covered lots of great great content, lots of great topics. So thank you so much, Alan, for being on the show. I won't take any more of your, of your Saturday. We all want to, you know, take some free time and chill out myself included. So once again, thank you so much for being on the show and I look forward to hopefully catching up uh, soon again. Thank you very much. It's been a great pleasure and I hope that your listeners get a lot out of it. Awesome. Thank you. And that's a wrap. You've just listened to another episode of the Success Inspired Podcast. In the next episode, I'm talking to a self-confessed perfectionist, driven and strategy-focused solution hunter who helps businesses with their online marketing activities to reach their full potential. To get notified about all the upcoming episodes, please make sure to subscribe so you don't miss out. I really enjoy making these shows and actually, if more people listen to the show, I'll be able to continue bring more great guests to the show. So, if you want to help me extend the reach of this show to more people, simply subscribe 
rate and review this show on Apple Podcasts and let your mates know about it on your social media. Have a great rest of your day, everybody, and stay inspired.